DW Africa Link It is Tuesday. Hello and welcome to DW's Africa Link program. I'm your host, Okerin Gushinado. I like the way you reminded us that it's Tuesday. It is. It is indeed. <laughs> and I am Eddie Micah Jr. We appreciate everyone tuned in to our partner stations and also on Facebook at DW Africa. We want you to share your thoughts on our stories. Uh-huh. And coming up, we bring you the latest from Senegal as authorities suspended mobile internet and banned a march against the delay of this month's presidential poll. Still saying in Senegal, uh, does Macky Sall have the right to stay in power until the elections in December, we hear from an expert. And there is no way, all specialists have said that, legal there is no way the Constitutional Council can validate, you know, the laws that was adopted by the National Assembly. Mm-hmm. We will delve into those stories and much more. But first, here is the world news in brief. DW News. Welcome to the news. My name is Jen Nyingi. France has called on Senegal to ensure a proportionate response to any protests after violence over a delayed presidential election killed three people. The French foreign ministry said in a statement they would like the presidential poll to be held as soon as possible. Meanwhile, Senegalese authorities have once again suspended mobile internet and banned a march against the delay of the presidential poll, which was scheduled on Tuesday. More on the protest in Senegal coming up on Africa Link. The U.S. Senate has approved a $95 billion aid package, more than half of which would go to Ukraine. The funding is aimed at helping Kiev restock defenses as it enters its third year of war. The package also includes military support for Israel and Taiwan, a strategic ally. The bill will now proceed to the Republican-led House of Representatives, which is said to reject it. DW's Benjamin Avaris Gruber in Washington, D.C., has more on what happened in the U.S. Senate. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer from the Democrats he said the Senate declares that American leadership will not waver, will not falter, will not fail. This is not just a win for the Democrats, but also for the Republicans. There is Mitch McConnell from the Republicans who has been pushing and who has been making aid for uh, Ukraine also as top priority, also considering that there is and uh, not everyone within the Republican Party also wants to support it. U.S. President Joe Biden has urged Israel to protect Palestinian civilians in its planned ground invasion of the Gazan city of Rafah. Biden met with Jordan's King Abdullah at White House at their first face-to-face meeting since Israel's war with Hamas began. Biden said the two discussed a possible six-week break in the fighting. Jordan has been pushing for a permanent ceasefire. Here are some of what Biden said in a joint news conference Partly focused on Israel's expected move on Rafa. The, the major military operation in Rafa should not proceed without a credible plan, a credible plan for ensuring the safety and support of more than one million people sheltering there. This news is coming to you from DW in Bonn, Germany. Ethiopia's human rights watchdog says government forces carried out a massacre of civilians last month in Amhara State. The Human Rights Commission said it had identified at least 45 civilian deaths, although the number was most likely higher as it couldn't investigate fully. The commission said victims had been targeted for allegedly supporting an ethnic Amhara militia. 
and Islamic police in Nigeria's northern state of Kano say they have arrested a popular female TikToker for posting indecent and un-Islamic content on the social media app. Murja Ibrahim Kuya is accused of using vulgar and uncouth language in her videos, which are watched by millions of people. Two weeks ago, the police unit known as Hizba launched a manhunt for six TikTokers who they say constantly violate Islamic guidelines in their use of social media. For more news and information, head on to our website, dw.com forward slash Africa. My name is Jen Nyinge. Thanks, Jane, for the news and thank you for sticking with us on the program. I am Eddie Micah Jr. And I am Okering Gushinado. Remember, you can comment on the stories on our Facebook page that is DW Africa. I can already see some of you tuning in. Eddie Kwame, I think your namesake is here, <laughs> and also Ibrahim Hilda, and also our usual um, Lambert Kevin. We welcome all of you on Africa Link. Yeah, what, what, what was the second name? Eddie what? You know, let's just move Kwame, on to the t- Kwame. <laughs> Kwame. Like let's move on to our top yeah, story. Yeah, let's do that. Let's, let's kick off with our top story, which has to do with mobile internet access in Senegal. It was suspended on Tuesday for the second time this month after authorities banned a match against the delay to February's presidential election. Mm-hmm. President Sall's decision to push back the this month's election until December has plunged the West African nation into a crisis which has seen three dead amid clashes between prost- protesters and mm. security forces. I mean, Eddie Sall's decision has been condemned by the African Union and the EU, while Amnesty International is calling for an investigation into the yeah. police brutality that happened over the weekend. Yeah, it's a lot happening in a country that was once considered a beacon of democracy. For more on the situation in Senegal, here is Kai Neve. Senegal's government has banned protests planned for Tuesday against outgoing President Macky Sall's postponement of this month's presidential election. The demonstrations were called by our Sunu election, Let's Protect Our Election in Wolof, a newly formed political platform of about 40 groups that have rejected the postponement of the election from 25th of February to mid-December. The prefect of Dakar, Sheriff Muhammadu Blondan Jaye, on Monday said that the protests risked disturbing public order and hinder the free movement of people and goods. Three people have already been killed in the West African nation since protests started last week against the delay of the election, condemned by the opposition as a constitutional coup. The postponement has plunged Senegal into an unprecedented political crisis and threatens its reputation as a haven of stability in a turbulent region. Former Presidents Abdou Diouf and Abdoulaye Wade have endorsed a proposed national dialogue and the possibility of an amnesty for jailed opposition leader Usman Sonko to resolve the crisis. While international organizations like Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch are calling for an investigation into the killings and police brutality against the protesters. The organizations have called on the authorities to release all those held for expressing their political views, ensure the right to freedom of assembly and end assaults on journalists. At least 266 people have been arrested across the country, including journalists, a spokesman for the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights has said. West Africa's regional bloc ECOWAS on Monday sent a parliamentary diplomatic mission to Senegal to discuss the political situation in the country. Meanwhile, Senegal's communication ministry has suspended internet access, citing that it was due to the spread of hateful messages on social media 
that have already provoked violent demonstrations. Access to mobile data had already been temporarily restricted eight days ago, when Parliament backed Sal's decision to postpone the election. This decision was severely criticized by rights activists and Senegal's major international partners, including the United States and the European Union. The move to cut mobile internet was a repeat of a move last June, where Senegal's government restricted access amid high tensions in the country. The measure has become a common response to curb mobilization and communication via social networks, strongly condemned by rights activists. Kai Neber bringing us the latest update um, that's happening now in Senegal. Mm. Now, I mean, Eddie, a big thing that we've been hearing is that the postponement has caused regional and international concern that one of West Africa's most democratic countries could go the way of some of its neighbours. And I mean, that's that's um, Guinea, mm-hmm. um, Mali, Niger, Burkina Faso, which have been mired in coups and insecurity. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of concern, Okay, It adds to an already shaky foundation in West Africa. Our colleague Crispin Markedeo spoke to Hawaba from the Senegal Country Office at the Open Society Initiative for West Africa to understand how Sal's decision impacts the country. We've all been following the events happening in Senegal, um, the postponement of the election, which has sort of like created uh, a political crisis in the country. Um, what, what went through your mind when you first had the president saying that he had decided to push the election from February to an unknown date? And then later on, we, 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 we learned that the parliament had endorsed December 15th. Um, first of all, sadness sadness and um, and shock because I never imagined Senegal will be in this situation. Senegal has, uh, Senegalese citizens have fought so hard throughout the years um, through what President was, through President Jew, through President Ward, and even through President Macky Sall to preserve, you know, our democracy, to, to preserve rule of law and to preserve the will of citizens. And um, the past two years have been particularly very harsh. We have seen a slide, a backslide of democracy. We have seen um, the deepening of uh, impunity. We have seen the state violence taking unprecedented, uh, reaching unprecedented levels. We have seen uh, um, people being shot because they were they were demonstrating. Uh, we have seen press uh, being restricted, media houses being closed, journalists being uh, jailed. So there have been, it have been, it was a lot the past two years under President Makisal. And Senegalese citizens are resilient. Senegalese citizens are very jealous of their democracy and the freedoms that are hardly, uh, that was fought very hard to gain. And Senegalese citizens place in the elections their hope that this will be the moment of liberation. Now, Howard, there has been a bit of confusion as to whether he has the legal uh, authority to postpone an election. Can you maybe share some light? Because we know now Parliament has endorsed his decision to, to, to push uh, uh, the election to December. Uh, but, but who has the right? Is it the, the president? Is it the constitutional court? Is it the parliament? Uh, can you clear this confusion, please? Um, he doesn't have the legal decision to prolong his mandate. In, and this is clearly stated in Article 31 of Senegalese Constitution, saying that the mandate of prayer cannot be changed. You know, the National Assembly 
cannot decide on again on the postponement or the elongation of a term. It's a constitutional constitutional council, you know, that will now uh, rule on that law that was adopted on Monday. And there is no way. All I'm not. I'm not a jurist, but all jurists, all specialists have said that legal expert. There is no way the constitutional council can validate. You know, the law that was adopted by the national assembly. There is no way. It's anti constitutional. It violates three articles of the constitution: thirty-one, fifty, fifty-two, and one hundred one. There is no way because there is no legal basis. So, in other words, what you're saying, if I am to understand, you're, you're, you're basically saying that at the moment, then Senegal is being run unconstitutionally. Is that what you're saying? No, the president is elected, and his terms finishes on April second. Mm-hmm. From the constitutional provisions, it's on April second that the sitting president, the incoming president, the the, um, the outgoing president hands over to the newly elected president. So until whatever happens, until from April 2nd, he's no longer, he can no longer continue to be a president. So he's still legally president until April 2nd. Crispin Markadeo speaking to Hawaba from the Senegal Country Office at the Open Society Initiative for West Africa. Pretty interesting discussion there it was. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's understandable why people are making their voice heard also on our Facebook page, mm-hmm. DW Africa. Yeah, we asked, why do uh, why do you think President Sal has decided to postpone the elections? Kennedy Sitati says here, the Senegal's president has caused mayhem and confusion in his country. Yeah, from what we see on the ground, clearly there's definitely some confusion. Mm-hmm. There's uh, this comment from uh, John Saba, who says the decision taken by Senegalese politicians is not bad, although all the citizens end up bearing the cross. Mm-hmm. And there are more comments here on our Facebook page, actually people commenting live. Mm-hmm. Lambert Kevin says, sometimes I feel like there is no democracy again in Africa. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of democracy in Africa, which the 54 countries. There's, there's, uh, there's uh, quite a number of them that are practicing. The key thing is it's mm-hmm. it's it's never really straightforward. The democracy is is more like a journey. It's not a destination, so to speak, right? So there's, there's, the there's sometimes yeah. challenges here and there. But, you know, I'll be optimistic and say we're, we're going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's take this uh, comment um, from Chikese Desmond, who says, when injustice becomes a law, resistance becomes a duty. My great people of Senegal, never give up until justice is prevailed. Let us know your thoughts on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Africa. You're listening to DW's Africa Link program. We broadcast every Monday to Friday from our studios here in Bonn, Germany. I am Eddie Micah Jr. And with Eddie, I am Okeri Ngushinado. Now you can also join us on our Facebook page. That is DW Africa, which I have seen you guys still commenting. Prince mm-hmm. uh, Igobu still commenting on our our um, top story, which is in Senegal. But Eddie, what else is coming up? Yeah, still coming up. Nigeria is trying to do something about its prison reforms. We look at what they're doing, how it's being received. The nation itself needs to reorientate the citizens. The immediate reforms that can really go a long way to also help the inmates includes the need to create job for them. When there is job security, these inmates will see no need to engage in crime. 
Yes, that is coming up. But first, as we mark World Radio Day, we look at how women podcasters are leading the field in Africa. Yeah, so that's also coming up later. I see you're very eager I'm to, excited to, to for get that. into that particular one. Yeah. You know, Truth is, uh, KB Radio has always been my first love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, that's that's a very deep that I did not made. know yeah yeah I don't like the way you just push it aside You're like you don't care about my first love but it was radio but before we talk about my love life let's talk about the lives of ex-convicts in Nigeria responsible authorities in Lagos State say that education and skills are critical tools for reforming inmates throughout the country. Mm -hmm. Now, the state also believes that the essence of serving prison terms is to reform the inmates and also to reintegrate them back into society Mm -hmm. after they have served um, their sentences. But are inmates being reformed and how are they being reintegrated back into society? Our correspondent, Ben Adam Shemang, tells us more. Society finds it difficult to accept former convicts. Even direct families of former convicts struggle to reconnect with them. So to change this trend, the Nigerian government is working on some reforms. It includes the changing of the name of the Nigerian Prison Service to the Nigerian Correctional Service. But some Nigerians feel prison reforms should start from reforming inmates. Dr. Adeonju Peter, a criminologist at the University of Abuja, feels that in carrying out reforms, the psychological form of prisoners should be taken care of by specialists. Beyond just changing the name from prison service to correctional service, help them to avoid being rearrested. Change in orientation. Now they need a value orientation. The nation itself needs to reorientate the citizens. The immediate reforms that can really go a long way to also help the inmates includes the need to create job for them, employment. When there is job security, these inmates will see no need to engage in crime. A public analyst of the Nigerian government policies, Mr. Ezekiel Uzochuku, has observed that some inmates come out from the correctional facilities rather hardened instead of being reformed. Prison reform, we must look at the issue of correctional sentence. Most of our sentences are punitive. Somebody must be punished for an offense. There are certain circumstances where you do correction. The person is supposed to turn out a new leaf. That is the essence of prison reform. But in most cases today, our prisoners get hardened in prison. When they are put in prison, they get hardened and come out hardened. A Nigerian researcher and human rights activist, Comrade Ene Obi, herself a former detainee who has seen the prison walls voices her opinion. I experienced the issues of being in prison and also being in that solitude during the military era when I was in prison for about six weeks. I wasn't given anything because they think because you are waiting trial, you don't need to be given anything. But I want to say in vocational training, they should be given vocational training in different skills, areas of their choice. Financial management training is equally very important. It is important to teach them sustainability. Basic skills are very, very essential and it's important to carry them along so that when they come out, they'll be of great use. Nigeria has maximum and minimum correctional centers with about 54,000 inmates comprising of males and females. Many of these congested prisons were built in the colonial era. Current reforms for inmates include activities like education, carpentry, running saloons, restaurants, painting, crowds, religious and psychological approaches. The aim is to ensure inmates don't turn prisons into permanent living places. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Adam Shemang with that important report on how Nigeria is trying to um, 
reform prisoners so yeah. that they they are reintegrated better into society. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's still a lot of uh, stigma attached to people that have that have been behind bars before, mm-hmm. right? Uh, when they come, people still feel not too safe around them. And until now, Nigeria is trying to focus, like some other countries are doing, try to focus on on not just treating them as hardened criminals, but also, you know, make sure that by the time they're out, that they are renewed, they're uh, new yeah. beings. And also giving them the skills so that they can yeah. also function exactly. when they're back in society. So that's, that's a very good move. Yeah. Um, but yeah. let's move on to Eddie's first love, which is radio. <laughs> so you've been listening. That's great. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, World Radio Day is observed every year on February 13th. So that means today we are observing World Radio Day. It's a day set aside by the UN to celebrate the unique power of radio to touch lives and bring people together across cultures and communities. You know, just like as we're talking, people from all across the continent and around the world are listening to us through our partner radio stations, Mm -hmm. are listening to us live on our Facebook page, TW Africa. That is the power of radio. Mm -hmm. And women have played a key role, Okiri, in the radio journey, including on-demand audio content like like podcasting. podcasting. Yeah. yeah, very much so. I yeah. mean, across Africa, female podcast podcasters are making waves. Mm-hmm. Podcasting is providing content creators with new opportunities and freedom to get their voices heard. And this woman are forging their own path on the podcasting scene as yeah. DW's Edith Kamani reports from Nairobi. Great sex for me is freedom to be super loud. Lydia KM and Murugi Muni may have unfiltered conversations, but the podcast stars carefully curate their image. They've just wrapped up creating content, which will be released over the coming month for their podcast, The Messy In Between or TMI. Recently, they've been named one of Africa's top shows. They say they're offering something new for an African audience, talking about their lives in a fresh and uninhibited way. There are some people who will still be like, you young girls should not be talking about this. You're corrupting the young, yeah. the youth or something. Then the others were like, wow, thank you for talking about this. Thank you for sharing some of these things that, you know, other women are going through. I thought I was alone. You know, I'm also going through it. And for us, I feel like those people, that second group, they are what That's keep us going. TMI discusses sensitive and taboo topics yeah. in a bantering, relaxed style. Because like no one is applauding a woman for being a mom to a kid that she gave birth to. Yeah. But people are applauding It's an intimate way of talking that has endeared them to a loyal fan base. We like to um, create um, unfiltered. Mm. So, and that's what we were doing on our own individual pages, like authentically creating mm. and sharing our journeys in a very vulnerable and open way. Mm. So we wanted TMI to be that, but now in like a stronger concentration and more focus on the struggles women have. If- Across the city, Adele Onyango and her team are getting a booth ready to take her new media company, Legally Clueless Africa, to a large beauty exhibit. She started a personal podcast five years ago. Now she runs a fully-fledged media enterprise offering training to budding podcasters. Well, what I did is come up with a curriculum to um, digital, digital curriculum to coach Africans on how can they make sustainable content that then leads them to being new media practitioners. And also we've had our own in-house um, masterclasses on podcasting, teaching about the business angle because a big part of sustainability is not only the content but also how do we make sure you're making adequate revenue. Seeing women make that revenue and keeping it is something close to Melissa Mbugwa's heart. She works for Africa Podfest which supports um, podcasters then, um, in a range of different ways. We can see this future, this potential, but if we don't step in 
like in in <laughs> um, and talk about the money talk about how we're going to actually create business models out of this how we're going to make sure that the money flows in a way that centers us the historically marginalized um, you know then it's going to pass by us pass it's going to pass yeah. um, and other people will kind of take it over if we are not if they don't come and find us back at the studio Lydia and Murugi wrap the day's shoot with over a million plays across various platforms, their podcast is now able to do what most cannot. Pay them. Edith Kamani reporting from Nairobi. It's uh, it's such, I always, I always think about if you're doing something you're passionate about, right? And you're actually enjoying it and getting paid for it. That, that must be the dream, isn't it? Yeah, of course. And the good thing about with podcasting right now and the new generation that's mm. jumping on it it's basically being unfiltered, yeah. just saying what you want at the mm -hmm. top of your head. And it's it's weird enough that everyone just wants to listen to yeah, this. Exactly. I mean, it's a, there's a lot of niche programs out mm -hmm. there. If you have the right audience, obviously not everyone is going to like your content. It's just the way it works. So people that really connect with what you're saying will definitely come to you. I think yeah. I should, I should I'm work. I'm curious. I was, yeah, I was going to yeah. ask that. Would you have a podcast on what would the name be? Hmm. Wow. I mean, uh, what would you share, like your niche information? Oh my goodness! Uh, that's okay. We're putting me right yes. on the spot there. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I have I have so many different ideas. I I feel like this. This I've always had this thought about looking at the, the, the norms of society and how it became a norm, mm -hmm. you know, because it's easy for us to say, oh, this is a normal thing to do. But who said it's normal? Who made it normal? Who said this is the right or wrong way to go about things? And yeah, I hope no one is stealing my idea now. Mm -hmm. It's something I've been thinking about. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's something that let's see. Let's see how, how, how time allows me to really dig into it. Yeah, digging into the normalcy with Edward Micah Jr. I can already oh, see the name. Digging into the normalcy. Yeah. <laughs> that's, not, that's, that's, not, that's not bad. That's not bad. But hey, uh, let us know your thoughts on World Radio Day as we mark it on the 13th of February. Back in the day, when was that? Was it 2009? Mm -hmm. 2010? Or maybe 2009 ending is when I had my first radio experience. Wow, 2009? Yeah, were you... Yeah, I was in this world, but I was in <laughs> high school and I, I still remember radio and how it brought communities together. And I think it is still doing that. It still has a major impact till mm. today. So mm. I wasn't in the radio business <laughs> like you, but you were listening but to I, it. I was still on the, on the radio. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> but uh, moving on to our showbiz, um, it's time to look at other stories also making headlines from around the world. But our very own Aram Atipo. Still on AFCON, Nigeria's Super Eagles keeper takes a stand against cyberbullying targeting midfielder Alex Iwobi. Social media trolls blame the 27-year-old for the loss to Ivory Coast in the AFCON final. Iwobi, who played for 79 minutes, faced online attacks which led him to delete his Instagram pictures. Super Eagles, Musa, and some Nigerians rallied to defend Iwobi, slamming critics for unfair targeting for the team's loss. The midfielder remains silent amid the online storm. Now, wife's revolution has taken a center stage in Liberia's political drama. In a surprising turn of events, Liberia's Defense Minister Prince Charles Johnson III has resigned following protests by wives of the country's soldiers. These fierce women 
fed up with what they called low wages and poor living conditions for their heroes took matters into their own hands. The protest reached a point where President Joseph Bwakai was compelled to cancel National Army Day celebrations. He assured the wives that their grievances will be thoroughly investigated and addressed. Still wondering who runs the world? Ask Beyonce. In a dazzling weekend roundup, Asha takes the spotlight. Not only did he rock the Super Bowl stage and in rave reviews, but he also said I do to his longtime love Jennifer Guicuchea. Spreading the love in Las Vegas, the couple exchanged vows in an intimate ceremony at the Vegas weddings. Adding a personal touch, Asher's mom, Jonita Patton, stood witness to their union. This marks Asher's third dance down the aisle. We wish them a fruitful union. And on this good note, that's all for showbiz. Back to you, Okeri and Eddie. Aram Atipo giving us the latest with showbiz, but hopefully tomorrow we can actually have her in a studio instead yeah. of, you know, he only hearing her voice. Yeah, I mean, uh, people have definitely gotten used to your voice now, so we would love to hear more of that, Aram mm-hmm. Atipo. Um, you know, some story that's been making waves on social media, Kerry, from Cameroon, President mm-hmm. uh, Paul Bia celebrating his 91st birthday today. Over 41 years, he's been the head of state. So uh, we basically asked on Facebook, what do you think of his long stay in power despite his advanced age? And uh, on Rudolf Amenga says, it simply means <laughs> <laughs> he and his team are profiting from his um, his old age in leadership is basically what you're trying to say. Yeah, Lesun says, Monarch of Cameroon, congratulations on your 91 birthday celebrations. Yeah, I just thought we should uh, definitely <laughs> dig into that because it's making huge waves on our social media pages and on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Thanks a lot for your time. I am Eddie Micah Jr. And this has been Okere Ngushinado. Until tomorrow. DW Mid for Minds.